Lord, we do thank you that we can come together today, Lord. It doesn't matter how many are here, Lord. You're not into numbers. It's just, your word says if two or three are gathered in your name, you're there in the midst. And we are here gathered in your name tonight. We came for you, Lord, to be with you, to be in your presence. And I do pray that as we look at this subject of grace, I pray for the ones that aren't here tonight, that you would minister to them as they listen to this recording, Father, that you would just help them to learn how to tap into the grace that we're talking about tonight, the different kinds of grace that is available to us. And I trust you to do what I can't do in the natural, Lord. I just pray that you would work supernaturally in all of our lives, Lord, and especially those that couldn't make it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So this is actually from the Bible study, and the question is, what do we need God's grace for? And I'm going to read uh, what is here. The correct answer is everything. We need God's grace for everything, from birth to regeneration, through sanctification, all the way to ultimate glorification. From the cradle to the grave, we are utterly, absolutely, entirely, always dependent on his grace. And isn't that true? I had a phone call today with someone, and the whole time I was talking to her, I was like, man, she just needs this grace to tap into God's grace to continue to persevere in trials. God's grace rushes to the scene of our weakness and need. And how many times have we seen that in our own personal lives? You know, when we feel weak or just needy for the Lord and we think, I can't do this. It just makes us desperate and we're just tapping into his supernatural power. And we find that I'm doing what I thought I couldn't do. His grace is helping me during this time. So in the Bible study, it said, I need God's grace to love a particular family member be faithful to my mate, take a specific step of obedience, trust God with my longing for marriage, I need God's grace to honor my parents or my in-laws. This is to pick different ones that might apply to you personally, so that's why I'm reading through this in case anyone listening can relate to this. I need God's grace to respect and submit to my husband I need his grace to be kind and patient with my kids. I need God's grace to trust God with my longing to have children. I need God's grace to accept a particular ministry opportunity. Or I need God's grace to carry out the ministry that he's entrusted to me. So I could definitely relate to that last one. <laughs> it's grace to carry out the ministry that he's entrusted to me. But there's been times where I find I need God's grace to love a particular family member, especially if that family member is very difficult to love because we do have them, right? In our family, we have neighbors maybe that way and just, we could be that way too, <laughs> you know? Um, just difficult to love at, at different times. So what this study addressed, there are four aspects of grace and that's what we're gonna look at together and that's what the handout is on. There's saving grace, there's sanctifying grace, or it could be said this way, transforming grace, there's suffering grace or it could be said this way, enabling grace, when we feel like, I can't do this, and then for their sustaining grace. So this comes from the Bible study. We looked at already, uh, if we want ongoing revival, we need humility, right? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We need to be honest about our struggles. You know, we're having a real hard time with X, Y, and Z, and I'm just getting it out there because I need prayer or I, whatever, you know, it might be. We need repentance. We looked at repentance last week, that repentance is not just a one-time thing. When we first get saved, I repent, I'm good, I'm, I'm good, you know. <laughs> we need repentance every day, every minute of the day sometimes to keep turning to God because our hearts are prone to wander. And now we look at when we're walking in the humility and honesty about where we're really at inside, the struggles that we really have inside or in our mind, and we're repenting as best as we know how to do that, 
then we set ourselves up to start tapping into God's grace because we're at a place where he can start pouring himself into us, you know, because we're like this. I'm desperate, Lord, I can't. I just can't. And he's there. It's amazing when we're at that place, he is there. And I know you all have testimonies of that, you know. So when we look at grace, grace is God's provision for every need. And maybe we can go around the room and read the different scripture verses there. Uh, Jesse, if you could read Romans 5, verses 12 through 17. I'll let you read that. And I'm going to turn the mic and hopefully it can pick. Therefore, just as though one man sin entered, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all all sin, or until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, much more, the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So there we have a beautiful picture of God's saving grace to us, right? I mean, he, he didn't have to do that. When you think about what happened in the Garden of Eden, he could have just left us to ourselves. But God stepped into our world and sent his son to bear our sins, to reconcile us back to the Father. And it's so wonderful, the saving grace that we've all experienced in this room. Saving grace, by his grace, God pardons guilty sinners and reconciles them to himself. A.W. Tozer says, the love of God is manifested. I'll read that again. The love of God is manifested brilliantly in his grace towards undeserving sinners. And that is exactly what grace is. God's love flowing freely to the unlovely. And that's good news. You know, because there's times where we see just how unlovely we are, right? But we realize, man, I can repent. I can turn to God. And his grace is there to forgive me. You know, to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me of the nasty attitudes in my heart or my tone or whatever it might be, you know, that he's dealing with us about. So, Samantha, why don't you reset uh, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 9. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in high places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That scripture passage there is just so rich it's really my testimony mm -hmm. you know I just I that was me I was dead in trespasses and sin I was walking according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air 
who was working in the sons of disobedience. I was rebellious, giving over to the lust of my flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, child of wrath. That was me, totally. But God, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, boy, what's that going to be like in the ages to come? There's ages to come. That way, I can't even wrap my mind around that. But in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. By grace, you've been saved through faith. Not, a, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So when you look at that portion of scripture there, can we do anything to merit our salvation? Can we be good enough, pray enough, fast enough, tithe enough, do enough religious activities to make ourselves right before God? It's a gift. Really, it's a gift. And we don't deserve it. I mean, I think we all know, man, I don't deserve this love that he has shown me, that he's given to me. So what we see is we can't do anything to merit our salvation, but yet when we're aware of how much we've been forgiven, the saving grace God has had in our lives, Paul Tripp says this, the more you understand the magnitude of God's grace, the more accurate will be your view of the depths of your unrighteousness, and the more you understand the depths of your unrighteousness, the more you will appreciate the magnitude of God's gift of grace. And it's not true. Yeah, it's so true. So now we look at transforming or sanctifying grace. And in this section, what we're going to see here is we're utterly dependent on God's grace to live this Christian life. How many can live this Christian life without God's grace? Raise your hand. <laughs> we are helpless, right, to do it on our, in our own strength. We can make promises and say, no, I'm not going to do this or that and the other thing. And then before you know, you find yourself marching in that direction. It's like, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? We're needy. Apart from him, we can do nothing, Jesus said, right? In John 15, we need God's grace every moment of the day to sanctify us and to conform us to the image of Christ. And how true is that? So, Cindy, why don't you read 1 Corinthians 10, 13? No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So what we see there is we're utterly dependent on God's grace, his transforming, sanctifying grace, because we're going to be tempted. If we weren't going to be tempted, this wouldn't be in the Bible, <laughs> you know, to tell us that you're going to be tempted, but your temptation is common to man. We, all of us struggle. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride. We'll struggle with that in different ways, but we struggle with that. I mean, Eve did in the garden, right? Pleasant to the eyes, desirable. She took of this fruit and she ate it, you know? And so we see we need God's sanctifying grace in our lives, his transforming grace in our lives, because we're going to be tempted and we want to be an overcomer like Christ was. What I love about Jesus, when you read the Gospels, you see the devil didn't have any hold on him. Jesus overcame the, the spirit of this world, the flesh. He just triumphed over everything we would face here on planet Earth. And God wants to help us in the same way. But we need his grace to do that, to tap into that grace that is available to us, and I wanted to read this earlier in Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 
16, and I know you're all familiar with this passage of scripture, seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession for we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what we see there is Jesus is just waiting for us to come. You know, I love that. He's just waiting there. And that's the phone call I had today with this dear woman. I've known her for years. It was, she's trying to do it in her own strength and that's why she just, she can't anymore. I mean, she's been trying for 30 years. She can't do it anymore. But Jesus' arms are wide open saying, come to me. Give it to me. Let me be what you need in this. Why are you carrying this? He wants to take it so she can abide. We can abide in his rest, you know, be still and rest. Knowing, God, you have this. I, I Obviously, I'm just trying to make something happen, and it's not happening because you want me to get my hands off the situation. <laughs> you know, surrender it. I got to lay it down, lay it down. But that's where I find peace in laying it down. Because I realize you know how it's all going to turn out anyway. You know the beginning and the end. And I, you don't need my help. You know, and that's part of the frustration there. She's been trying to help God, but God doesn't need her help. You know, he doesn't need her help. He doesn't, he just wants us to kind of be like a limp rag doll, if I could say, just in his arms. Just. <laughs> Lord, here I am. I'm just, just going to rest in your arms. See what you do. See, that's the key. See what you do. See how you're going to do it. Which is so much better than I could even try to help or to try to do. I can't do. So what we see is in Hebrews 4, 15, 16 there, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But in all points, he was tempted just as we are. And because of that, we can't say to him, you don't understand. Yes, he does. You don't know what it's like. Yes, he does. He's tempted in all points as we are. That's why he came here. To sympathize with our weaknesses. So he can help us, be our helper. So, so we see that we need that transforming, sanctifying grace because we are going to be tempted we are weak. We do have weak areas where we're just vulnerable and we have to cling to the Lord to help us. Also, Romans 6.14 there says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the Lord, but under grace. So that tells me I don't have to let whatever it is that keeps holding me back master me because God has made a way of escape. Like we read in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He's made a way of escape for me, but am I looking for that way of escape? Or am I clinging to, no, I got this. Or I have to help God in this situation. So, Jesse, can you read Romans 5, 20? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Yeah. And we can all say amen to that, right? Because we look at our lives and we see how much sin some of us might have really given over to in our past, but yet so much grace, so much grace God has had on us. Even our marriages, you know, if you look at your marriages and if you had, might have had marriage situation where there was sin abounding in the marriage, but then you look at the grace of God that was being poured out. When you look back now, it's like, Wow, how did we get through that? How did we survive that? We should not have survived that. But God's grace was there. And you were tapping into it without realizing it. 
and he was giving you what you need to get through it, to come out the other side. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. It's transforming, sanctifying grace, changing us in the midst of it, changing us in the midst of that trial that we found ourselves in. That's encouraging. Nothing is wasted with God. See, in the situation, the question was, well, it's been so many years I've been going through this, and I see no change. Well, there's something there that's not being dealt with. You're not getting down to that root, and that's why you just go around the mountain or the carousel that they have now at the ark. You just go around and around and around. So... Christ does sympathize with our weaknesses. We are going to be tempted, but sin doesn't have to have dominion over us because we're not under the law, but we're under grace. And we've tasted of that grace. And it's abundant. It's abounding in our lives. Rosario Butterfly, she's a woman that has come out of a homosexual lifestyle. And she is quoted, she says, like it or not, because I stand in the covenant of grace I must mortify my sin or fleshly desires because I stand in the covenant of grace and I'm able to mortify my sin daily and hourly. And that's a great quote to maybe like put somewhere if you find like, man, why do I keep doing the thing I hate that I do? And I do, you know, when the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, the thing I hate I do and the thing I don't want to do I do, but it's sin in me. But this is a good quote to put somewhere to remind ourselves, I have to, I stand in a covenant of grace. I'm standing in a covenant of grace. So God has given me everything I need for life and godliness, right? That's what 2 Peter 1 tells us, 3 and 4. So because of that, I'm able to mortify my sin daily, hourly. You know, and sin could be just being critical, being unthankful, uh, covetousness. I mean, it's not just... The big sins, like we tend to categorize, you know. It's just flesh. What comes out of us, rage, anger, um, bitterness, backbiting. God's grace is there, though, but we have to tap into it daily, hourly, Lord. And that's why we see, like last week, repentance is needed because when I'm not tapping into his grace, I'm sinning. So I need to repent. And that's, we saw last week, once a repenter, always a repenter. But that's not always so. When you look at the book of Revelation, God's harsh judgments are coming upon the earth and people will still not repent. So repentance is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a gift. Melody prayed it last week. She prayed a beautiful prayer that it really is a gift to us from God. It's a gift. So... Diane, can you read Romans 6, verse 1 and 2? Mm-hmm. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Right. <laughs> so why do we? Right? I mean, why do we? Right, why do we? So we need to be more aware. You know, more aware of God's presence. More conscious of, man, I'm going to have to give an account one day before God. You know, stand before his throne and give an account for my life. Especially Jesus said about every word that we speak. Right there. Yeah. I mean, right there, I'm like, Lord, forgive me, please. I know I said too much. And the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. And it's so true. It is so true. The more we talk, it's like, I know I crossed the line somewhere. I just know it. You know, why didn't I just stop? Stop. We read in Titus 2, Samantha, verse 11 to 14. This is a wonderful passage of scripture. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed 
and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So what does grace teach us? Now, we're still on the section of transforming, sanctifying grace. So grace teaches us what? How to deny ungodliness ungodliness and worldly lusts. And it also teaches us how to live, right? Yes. In what age? This present age for today. That's encouraging. Because especially as we see the darker it gets, Sometimes we could be so overwhelmed and feel like, how am I, I going to make it through until Jesus comes, you know? But we have to hold on to this promise. But God, you said, you said this grace there for me to be able to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. There's grace there for me to live soberly and righteously and godly in this current age that I'm living in, no matter how dark it gets, looking not forgetting to look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God in Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. And again, that comes through repentance. That really ties in with last week what we looked at is repentance. As we repent, he's purifying ourselves, uh, purifying us. As his own special people, zealous for good works. Because we are his workmanship created for good works, right? We read that in Ephesians 2.10. So, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, Cindy says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So does he just give us a little? No. How much does he give us? Abundance. And is it sufficient? Yes. For whatever we face? Yes. And what's the purpose? To glorify him. Then we have an abundance for good works. Yeah, because people will see our good works. We glorify our Father in heaven. So and I already alluded to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So let's look at number 3, enabling or suffering grace. God's grace enables us to endure the deepest pain. We saw that with the Apostle Paul, right? Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Paul was always given his testimony of everything that he went through. And it was so real to him that he walked in the power of God's grace because he made it over the finish line. You know, even though he was in prison and he went through so much stuff, but he made it. He knew there's a, there's a crown waiting for me. And, and there's a crown waiting for all those that are, just love the appearing of the Lord, you know, that are persevering and waiting for the Lord to come again. So. There is an enabling suffering grace available to us that Paul proved is real. And how many here, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like, there's no way I can do this? Yes. Yeah. We all have, right? We've all been there. Maybe not to the degree, (laughs) certainly not the degree that Apostle Paul but we've all been like in a wine press that we felt like, I can't, I, how am I gonna do this? And yet we look back and here we are today. By the grace of God, here we are today. We read the stories about all different martyrs, right? And we wonder how did they do it? There's a, there's a sustaining, enabling grace there for suffering, to go through hard, hard times. We see that, so many testimonies. People testify to that. You know, I think about that pastor that was arrested and, uh, and thrown in jail in Iran, you know? And you know, when you go to those prisons in those third world countries like that, they're not like ours. Mm-hmm. But yet, through the prayers of the saints, he was released. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and God's grace sustained him through that. So we look at situations sometimes and we feel like, I can't do that. I can't do that. But I forget the quote. I know someone here knows it, what Corey Timboom's father told her about the train. Mm -hmm. Do you remember how that goes? Oh. Just so we could get it on the recording. I know. I know. It's so good, yes. too. Asked her, when do I give you the ticket? When, you know, before, just before you get on, or the day before, so just before I get on the train. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. He was speaking in the context of death. Yeah. 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 And again, you look at their lives, the Temboon sisters. Yeah. How did they mm -hmm. go through that? Darlene Dabla Rose. Yeah. How did she go through what she went through now that we're celebrating D-Day today, right. you know, the yeah. anniversary? Yeah. You hear her testimonies like, mm -hmm. I cringe. It's like, I'm a wimp. Mm -hmm. I hear what she went through. It's like, I, I don't think I could go through that. Yeah. But we don't know till we're in it. Right. And when we're in it, we find that there is an enabling suffering grace that we could tap into where God is carrying us and again we all have testimonies of times when we felt that way mm -hmm. and here we are yes. today yes. but every trial we go through I really believe prepares us for the next one yes. for the next one and we have a history with God you know you see that with David David was always remembering who God was in his past and trusting you're going to see me through this. No matter how hard it is, you're going to get me through it. I'm going to trust you in the midst of it. And that was the word to the church on Sunday, right? Yes. Trust me. Right. Trust me. And we have to learn that. We have to learn that. And the only way to learn that is through trials. Because we trust in every other thing but God. We're American Christians. We have so much to trust in. But God knows how to strip those things down. Like your furnace might go when you're writing this humongous check today that don't even fit on the line. <laughs> but you're writing it out. It's like, doesn't even fit on the check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he doesn't want us depending on that, on the bank account or this or the, whatever we have. He doesn't want us depending on those things. He wants us depending on him. Yes. He does. He does. So he's teaching us now how to endure and go through different things because the future, he knows what the future holds. Paul, I found this interesting. This was in the Bible study. It says, Paul's thorn in the flesh, the Greek word translated thorn, means a tent stake and was used to speak of a wooden stake used for impaling someone. Mm. Paul's thorn was not a splinter or a sliver. Mm. It was a major affliction, chronic or recurring and excruciating painful. And reading that remind me of Amy Carmichael's story. Yeah. How she right. fell into mm -hmm. a hole and asked for prayer for healing and finally she says, Stop praying for me. What about Joni Eric Citata? Mm -hmm. And yet look at her life. Look at these women's lives. How they ministered to us. You know, even Darling Dabla Rose. Yes. How yes. these women's lives ministered to us through the things they went through. The Tamboom sisters, you know, just the things they went through. Fanny Cosby, blind, you know, and I think she was the one that said that, that when she finally gets to heaven, the first person she's going to see is Jesus, her eyes, when she finally gets her sight of, in sight of him. Wow. You know? So, 1 Peter 5.10 says, But may the God of all grace who calls us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's what God is doing in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the trials. 
He's perfecting us. He's establishing us. He's strengthening us and settling us. Mm. Our roots are going down deep in the midst of it. If we stay connected to the mind, that's the key, staying connected to the mind, not jumping ship. <laughs> because you'll wind up like Jonah in the belly of a whale. <laughs> you jump ship. Warren Wearsby says, when you are in the furnace, your father keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. That's a good quote there. And Johnny Erickson Tata, I always say Sentata. <laughs> Joni Erickson Tata. <laughs> she said, the weaker I am, the harder I must lean on God's grace. The harder I lean on him, the stronger I discover him to be, and the bolder my testimony to his grace. Wow. And I'll tell you, last night I was, I was um, joking with my mom. I said, yeah, I'm teaching at church tonight on grace. <laughs> I said to her, I really need grace today. She said, yeah, I need it too with my stepdad, um, with her with my stepdad because his mind is, is going and he's starting to catch a little attitude with her and stuff. So, But I couldn't sleep last night. Jeff was snoring in my ear. <laughs> and... I'm thinking about, okay, I had the furnace guys are coming back today, and then I'm thinking about the bank account, and then I'm thinking about the Christmas party, and I'm thinking about, we got to go Friday to the bank, and I'm thinking about um, Sunday, we have our staff meeting, and I'm trying to get Jeff to bless all the staff by taking you all to see the lights at the ark and he's not saying yes or no yet so i'm laying in bed and all this stuff is going through my mind and i'm i'm looking at the clock and it's like two in the morning i said i'm getting up and i'm drinking zequil and i had listened to the whole book of john last night too i listened to the whole book of john being read by some guy he had a beautiful voice reading it i dragged zequil wide awake I said, I'm going downstairs. Maybe if I go on my other bed downstairs in my guest room with Samantha and Josh, I'll fall asleep. But that thing is terrible for my back. I mean, it's, that mattress is not good for my back. That's why it's downstairs. So, so I lay there and I'm tossing and turning. I said, I'm going back upstairs. <laughs> so I go upstairs and Jeff's like snoring, snoring, and I'm pushing and pushing, hoping he would turn and stop snoring. I'm like, I got to teach tomorrow. How am I going to do this? I knew we had prayer in the morning. We had prayer at 6.30 in the morning. So I fell asleep at 3, and at 6, I was like this. No, I, I think it was a quarter to 6, and I'm like, I feel like a zombie. And I'm like, Lord, how am I going to do this? So I'm saying to my mom, I don't know how I'm going to do this tonight, but I need a lot of grace. But I've tapped into God's grace often enough in the past that I knew and I trusted. You're going to help me, Lord. You're going to help me. And it's amazing because even with the heating guys there all day today, they've been at my house three times already the past three weeks. They finally finished it. <laughs> I said, I don't even feel like I'm wiped out today. So I knew God's grace was resting on me. You know, I knew his grace was resting on me. So it's, it's true. When we feel weak, when we feel like I can't do this, when we feel like, Lord, I got nothing. But I know you're faithful. Yeah. I know you're faithful. Yes. And I'm not going to take that for granted. I know I need to seek you still, mm -hmm. you know, spend time with you. But you've always been faithful. You've never failed. So why am I going to doubt you today? You know, today. So, and that leads us into four. Sustaining grace. So... Jesse, can you read 1 Peter 5? Five? Oops. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Diane, can you read the next? Proverbs 3, 34. Surely he scorns the scornful but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. 
but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, saying then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So with all those scriptures that we just read, how do we tap into God's sustaining grace? Humbling ourselves. Yeah. Humbling ourselves. Crying out to him, you know what I mean? When we want to stand up for our rights, which we really don't have any rights. Yeah. You know, and to just humble ourselves. So we're back to square one, right? Mm -hmm. That was the first lesson in our mm -hmm. Bible study. Mm -hmm. Walking in humility. Mm -hmm. Right. Being honest. Mm -hmm. Repenting. Yes. When God puts his fingers on different things. Yes. And then just repositioning ourselves to tap in his grace when we do that. So I'll read the paragraph there where it says, God opposes or resists, literally sets himself against those who are self-sufficient, those who try to manage their lives without him, those who struggle and strive to live the Christian life on their own, or are too proud to acknowledge their need. And what we see in the scriptures, that God is the source of all strength. In Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. James 1.17 says, Every good Gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And First Peter 5.10 tells us, But may the God of all grace who calls us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, we read this uh, similar scripture, after you've suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Or we might have read that already. But what we see there is that God is the source of grace. So if we see, I need grace to just keep going, keep running this race, the sustaining grace, I've got to humble myself before him and before others. But then trust too that as I do that, it's like you're a magnet for God to make contact, <laughs> if I can say it that way, you know, because he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So he notices, you know, when we humble ourselves and we acknowledge, then he gives us that sustaining grace to keep persevering, to keep going, to not quit. And I love that about the Lord. You know, you could feel like, oh, I'm done. But you're still in the race. You're still running. You haven't quit. No matter how hard it got, no matter how difficult it got, even if you fell down, you got back up. You didn't stay down there. Yes. You know, so we find that there is a sustaining grace there that helps us to keep going, keep running, keep running, keep running, don't quit, keep going, keep going, keep going, don't quit. Even if there's one person, just keep pouring yourself out into that one person. Because that one person could be a Noah, a Moses, a Deborah, an Esther, mm -hmm. a Paul. We don't know. Right? We don't know. So we keep going. We just keep going. Matthew Henry said, If left to ourselves, our sins will be too hard for us. But God's grace shall be sufficient to subdue them so that they shall not rule over us, and then they shall not ruin us. So Hebrews 12, verses 1 through three says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance, endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hands of the throne of God. 
And the wonderful thing about him in that position right now is he's interceding for us. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's interceding for us. Mm -hmm. And that should encourage us. Because sometimes you can go through something you feel like, man, is anyone praying for me? But then you realize Jesus is. And his prayers are perfect. Yeah. And God answers his prayers. Yeah. So that's encouraging to know that he's at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. And do you ever wonder what he's praying for? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Oh, Father, encourage her. Father, give her what she needs. Let her know how much I love her. I'm so for her. I'm not against her. Then I notice everything she's done mm-hmm. for my honor and my glory. It's not in vain. So wonderful, right? Yeah. He does encourage us like that. Yeah. Give her more grace, Lord. She needs more grace. She needs the Holy Spirit. Just pour out on her. Pour out on her. Give her what she needs. God will provide all the grace we need to face any demands. And that's another good one that we could probably post somewhere. You know, as a reminder to ourselves, God will provide all the grace we need to face any demand. And we find that, you know, at the end of the year, we could feel frazzled at times saying, I got to get the end of the year letters out. I got to do this. I got to IRS and this. Do me that stuff. My mind. But you realize, I made it through the year. I got it all done. Why was my mind all crazy? Why was I driving myself crazy? God gave me the grace to be able to get this done for his glory. You know, it's not for my glory. It's for his glory. Because it has to get done. You know, and he's put you in that position to fulfill that position. So he gives you the grace. I always remember uh, there was a little card someone gave me. I think it was back in New York when we came here to Kentucky. And it was a little card and it said, where God guides, he will provide. Am I saying it right? Where God guides, he provides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I held on to that. It was like, Lord, you're sending me into the unknown. I've never been here before. I don't know what I'm stepping into. But I had that card. No, you're going to provide. You're going to provide. Wherever you guide and send me, you're going to provide the grace that I need to be able to fulfill what you've called me to do. And that's what you have to hold on to. He's calling you to be a mom. God, you're going to give me the grace I need to be mom. You have many children. It's God's grace that you're here tonight, right? Yeah. you needed he tonight yeah. 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 yeah you needed and made a way for you to be here so mm-hmm. he can speak sure. to you yeah he's got it for you can we pray for her can i have you lead out and pray for her and can we like gather around her mm-hmm.